it's the timelines. It's being aware of, you know, the carrier due dates. So when they issue that firm quote, sometimes you may only have seven to 10 business days before they're going to require updated reporting. So when you're, you know, getting employer meetings set up, make sure you're very aware of when that quote needs to get signed and back, just so you're not, you know, surprised by any changes that can happen in the future. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We got a good one for you tonight. It's time. Winter is here. It is renewal time. It's time to lock in stop loss. Talk to a lot of you guys out there with stop loss renewals, understanding the process. It's not an easy one. So we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you a step-by-step roadmap, make it very simple, talk to you about how we do it in-house. Those that don't already know, Virtue Health is the new name for Achieve. We converted it over, so Virtue Health is the new name. And we will be doing a webinar, if you haven't seen, below. Next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, going to be talking about how to win and retain business with Virtue Health, how we help you guys. So we'll go into detail with it. But, you know, as we uh, took a, a dip into this wholesale world, and I'm growing Virtue Health over here, you know, I, I read a book one time and they, they asked Henry Ford, you know, how did you know how to create that assembly line and do every different thing on the assembly line? Like, how do you figure it out? You're so brilliant. And the reality was, is he didn't know. He said, I just hired a bunch of smart people that actually knew how to do each different specific thing. So, you know, when I look at our weakness, or I should say my weakness, it's it's definitely in understanding the underwriting section, pricing of insurance, claims, this, that, and the other. So I said, you know what? What the hell? Let me go out and find an expert to hire. And that's exactly what we did. That being said, let me welcome our newest member to the team at Virtue Health, David Kessler. Dave, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, John. Excited to be here. Yeah, so you don't get to talk to an underwriter that much in the advisor world. So it's nice to, to interact with you and, and kind of pick your brain a little bit on the things that go on behind the scene and understand it. And the more I talk to you, the more I realize I never under really understood it to the depth that you do. And we always like to fight on the advisor side and it's kind of, we're coming from a different world. So I thought it'd be good to have you on here and talk about the stop loss process. Take any questions that we have. I mean, we are probably going to end up doing a couple different episodes here because there's so much to talk about it exactly give me, yep. give me a quick background on two of the places you worked and tell us about that yeah so i started my underwriting at cigna healthcare kind of focused on their level funded and self-funded products uh, after a few years there went to healthscope benefits pretty large tpa so kind of helped manage their stop loss marketing activities uh, and then most recently, I kind of helped start up an MGU, so kind of helped with underwriting guidelines, working with the actuaries, getting the manual and everything set up. And uh, yeah, now now I'm here. Great, great. So how many stop-loss renewals do you think you've done? Oh, probably in the thousands. In the thousands. So guys, yeah. what, the point I'm trying to make is he's qualified to teach you the process, right? We want to get people on here that's qualified. We'll never be able to do that many renewals, stop loss renewals, and probably in our lifetime as an advisor, it's just a reality. It's not the role that we're in. Underwriting, how many cases do you think you've underwritten? Uh, same thing, probably a couple thousand. Thousands, okay. Yeah. So you got a good feel for how everything looks and smells, and you can advise us 
from the inside now, right, when you're working on renewal. So what we wanted to do, let me say hello to some of you in the crowd here, if I can go ahead and, and, and say hello. Go ahead and say hello in the comments section. What's up, Mark Fox? If you do have underwriting questions, we are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. Go ahead and put it in the comments below. We'll try to get to you. But this is the renewal roadmap, guys, okay? And I want to take you guys through step-by-step so you can have a feel for really how this process works. Again, advisors, we don't really understand it to the knowledge that they do. I'm not going to say I was perfect. And I get the questions a lot. So I said, let's walk people through the process, okay? Let's start with, Dave, that preliminary renewal period, okay? Talk to me about that. Yeah, the preliminaries, it's all about the time frame. So you want to start the prelim early as possible. The big thing is with the firm renewal, the carrier needs as much data as possible. So usually you're going to be 60 to 90 days out with the firm renewal. The purpose of the prelim renewal is so you can kind of get a, a idea of how you want to do the renewal to be able to present to the employer. So at that point with the preliminary, the carrier has usually not done a complete review. They're probably looking through the claims reports, coming in with how they think the increase might come out. They might do some initial medical review. But the big thing with the prelim is it is going to be subject to change. Guys, preliminary renewal, about 120, 110 days, would you say? Okay. So it's coming out just to give you an idea. And and it depends on the size of the groups where they'll do this. What we're doing, I'll give you an example for virtue health renewals. What we're doing is ones that are in the Alliance Consortium, basically at 120 days, we're getting the reporting, running the reporting from the TPA, and we'll go over reporting in a minute. We're submitting that out to our our reinsurer, okay? They're going through the reports, and they're going to give me what's called a soft renewal, preliminary renewal, to say, hey, this is what it looks and smells like. When we run the 90-day report, which is three months out, every month new claims come in, if everything looks the same, this is what your increase is going to look like, okay? Might have to adjust the ag a little bit, but this is what it should look like. So that's essentially what the preliminary is in the goal. Now, guys, what you have to understand is, is when you're doing a self-funded renewal, this is not like fully insured. You don't go see the client 45 days, 60 days out and go, here you go. Here's a spreadsheet. Here's your options. I've peddled the quotes here's what you want to do. Here's everything. I showed you everything, right? It's not how you do it from an advisor role and a stop loss role. The importance of the preliminary renewal where you're having a conversation hundred days out, 120 days out with your client is a different conversation. So let's talk about that for a minute. We get issued this soft renewal. Okay. We're now discussing it with the client. I'm now going to reach out to on average, with our virtue health in the consortium program, specifically, stop loss have been five five percent on premiums, flat to two percent on the ag, right? Two percent overall max cost increase. So what we're trying to do here is we're going to go out to our client, and this is what I do: is we go out and advise them. Go look. Here's what the renewal looks like. Here's what we're trending at. Everything's good and dandy. My recommendation is to take the 90-day reports, lock it in, and move forward. We're in a good position. Lock it in earlier. Before something else changes, let's move on. Why would we just shop it at that point 90 days? Does it make sense to shop it? So, Dave, talk to me a little about, from an underwriting standpoint, do we 
shop it every single time when we get a renewal like that? No, we don't need to shop it all the time. I mean, if we're getting a pretty good renewal, I mean, we definitely want to get that locked in early. I mean, usually if you're going to drag out a renewal, claims activity could start happening on it, and then you could be subject to maybe a higher rate increase than you originally thought or additional lasers that you may not have had in place before. Um, so, if you're, yeah, if you're getting a pretty good renewal, you definitely want to work to get that locked in pretty quick. Yep. What I would add to that is, as well, what we want to do is we, we want to – let the client know is like, look, we only have so many markets and resources. Okay. Do we want to go to market this year when we have a 5% or really good renewal that we're looking at? Okay. And 5% is not 5% max or 8% max guys. Keep that in mind. 5% on stop loss might be one and a half percent overall max cost increase fix. The rest, if it's on the attachment is soft on the back end. Never going to hit it if it's underwritten, right? How many, how often you ever hit the max? Never. Okay. Less than 1%. So the reality is, is we don't want to go out and exhaust our stop loss market partners that you work with, because if, if an underwriter sees and gives you a good case, uh, a good quote at let's say 10% and you don't move it, Dave, what happens next year when they send you a quote request on that group? Yeah, you may not want to meet the requests that are demanded. I mean, if, if it was a pretty you know good renewal and you gave a lot of relief on it, but they were just using it as a market check. I mean, you'll you'll definitely remember that the next year if they're coming again to ask for you know additional relief and those kinds of things. So again, one strategy is if the renewal is good, let's look to lock it in. Do we want to exhaust our markets? Do you want to go to the fully insured market? You can have the conversation. You know anybody will buy it in one year. So do we really want to go down that route? Again, you're advising the client. You're not peddling them rates at renewal time. Be an advisor, not a broker, okay? If they push back and they say, you know what? I want to look at the market and I think it's time and I want to look at it. That's fine, but have the conversation. You can lock it in early, move on to the next, spend more time elsewhere when it's not required to go through the process every year like we seem to think or believe. Now, we're going to get into when we need to market and when it's bad or where we should. It doesn't mean we're not always going to market. I'm talking, hey, when it's easy, let's look to possibly lock that in. What's up, everybody in the group here? Mark Fox, Billy, Emily, what's up, Wisconsin? Paul Seeger, Tyson, Craig Joy, Mike Patton. So let's go back to our deck here that David put together. And we're, we're happy to send this out to you guys. We're going to build out a roadmap step-by-step processes. Okay. So we'll go out with the client. What are some of the other things that we want to talk about, Dave? Potential changes. Yeah. So, so network changes, maybe they want to look at changing a PPO contract or looking at maybe even an RBP option, uh, plan designs. Maybe they want to add a new plan or change deductibles, co-pays. That's something we'll talk to them about. Uh, if they're unhappy with the TB, uh, TPA or PBM and the service they're pro- getting provided, we'll talk about some options there. Contracts, so if you know, and maybe they're, you know, on a twelve twelve, we'll look at some run-in contracts. Maybe they wanted ag accommodation this year, so you know, we can look at all the different kind of stop-loss options. Yeah, yeah and, and guys, the the reality here is, is what we're trying to accomplish is okay. We've got a soft renewal. Do we want to make some changes? Do we want to bump up our spec because of leverage trend every year? Probably makes sense. Something. Let's look at it. Are we going to make changes? Are we happy with the TPA? Are we happy with the RVP vendor? 
Are we going to carve out the PBM, make a change to PBM, add sourcing solutions? All these different options is changes we're going to have to have that conversation with preliminary, preliminary to 90 days, guys. We're not doing this last minute because what we're going to do now is we're going to communicate that back to the reinsurer on the changes, okay? Which leads us back to the roadmap here, okay? So now we've got what the client wants to do. We're going to communicate, if there is changes, back to the reinsurer, okay, any of the changes to adjust the quote. But now the good fund part starts, right? On the preliminary, we can send them ag and large claim reports, 50% reports. But now let's go into the fun part, which is medical review, okay? This is how you lock in the quote to make the quote firm. This is the real, real numbers. So this is the most in-depth part. Takes a decent amount of time. So David. Yep. Walk us through it. Yeah, so this is the more intense part. So this is where you're going to have all the individual claim reports, pre-cert reports, basically all the reporting from the TPA that's going to be needed to basically go through the nurse review process to find out if you need to adjust the rates at all or set any lasers. So as far as the reporting, I mean, some of the reporting be like, you know, case management notes. So the nurses will be able to see who's in case management, get prognosis information, maybe treatment plan information. Other reporting might be like a trigger diagnosis reporting, which could show some, you know, a new emergent claims that could be coming in that the uh, underwriters need to be aware of. Pre-cert reporting, that's good to know if maybe there's a surgery coming up that no claims have even come in, but, you know, it could be something pretty serious. So, yeah, all that reporting will go to the from the TPA it, over to the carrier and they can be able to, you know, set any lasers from that. So let's walk let's walk through it because I, I want to go slow. So let's walk through first and foremost the large claim report, what is it? Walk me through that one. The large claim report is an individual claim report that's going to show medical and RX claims and the dollar amount per claimant. The carrier is going to be able to use that to be able to set their spec premium. So it'll show each, you know, each, each member's uh, dollar amount. And that's 50%. Usually we run that a spec report of 50% exactly of what this, So let's okay. say if you had a hundred thousand spec deductible, the 50% report would show any claimants above 50,000. Between medical and pharmacy. Okay. Also, aggregate report. Just go over that real briefly with me. Yeah. Aggregate report is going to be the overall paid claims for the group. So it'll show, you know, what was the overall claims for January, February. Um, And you'll be able to kind of compare that to where the aggregate deductibles coming in to kind of see where your loss ratios is. Yeah, guys, that's a standard report that most of us get and should know. You got to keep in mind when you look at a loss ratio, I had a conversation with advisors the other day, and they go, John, I'm running at 70%. I said, 70% of what? The expected plus the corridor? With the corridor of expected? Oh, well, total. Well, no, then you're not running at a 70% considered loss ratio of expected. You also have to factor in a two, how much lag? Two months? Yeah, usually a couple months lag, yep. Okay, so couple months lag. So you can't look at your aggregate report and assume I always like to add in two to two and a half months, give or take, you know, I take the average, let's say it's a hundred thousand in claims over 10 months. I take the average. I add two months in and say, this is roughly where it'll be. I always go conservatively. And then, and then I adjust it and pull out the corridor. So that's where you have to look at to see if it's actually running well. From an aggregate attachment standpoint, because the reality is, is the increase on the aggregate is based on how the claims are running. The spec stop loss premiums are going to be on the risk, the real risk side of the insurance side, 
or what hit the spec throughout the year. So that's the aggregate report that's very important. Now, this is all what's called what, David? Yeah, no, medical right. review, nurse review, exactly. That's medical it. review, nurse review, okay. So talk to me about, let's walk, we went through it in order and set this up, case management. Walk me through that. That's a report that's either done by the TPA or they might outsource it to uh, you know, a case management vendor. But it's actually, it's going to be uh, real nurse notes showing what's going on with you know, each member, you know, some of the treatment that's been happening, some of the treatment that could be occurring, kind of like an ongoing prognosis report for each member. Let's go over to pre-cert reports. Tell me about them. Yeah, the pre-cert reports are so The pre-cert is anything that's basically been pre-authorized for usually something like a surgery or something like that. So the pre-cert report is actually going to show, you know, even conditions and stuff that's going to be happening in the future. So the TPA is going to re- basically run that report from the beginning of the policy period to anything that's actually pre-certed that could happen even in the future to the end of the policy period. And you're and you're looking at that, you know, case management's easy. We see where they are. We don't know prognosis, diagnosis, what we're doing with them. Pre-cert report is basically saying, here's what surgery scheduled in the future of a potential claim. We know, hey, this is going to be this amount of claim. We got to put a laser, you know, no laser. If it's a no laser policy, we're going to increase premium by X. It could be a risk of this. That's all factors that go in. Then let's go over to the trigger diagnosis. What is that? Trigger diagnosis report is going to basically be any kind of condition that's, you know, of concern, you know, maybe a heart condition, cancer. So there's going to be basically codes that will show up on the trigger report. The good thing about that report is kind of the same thing with the pre-cert. It might show something emerging. So maybe somebody just got diagnosed with cancer. That's not going to show up on any of the other reporting. The trigger diagnosis report will be able to kind of show that that member is going to could be a pretty high cost concern and something to, to consider. And so the nurses will be able to kind of look that over and make that determination. Got it. Got it. So we go through that pending claim Rx report, the last two you had on the list. Yeah, the pending claim report is basically is basically like an IVNR. It's 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 incurred claims but not reported. So it's basically, you know, a member incurs a claim, it goes into the TPA queue, the TPA's pended the claim to basically review it, go through the adjudication process. So the big one in that is definitely we can see some large claims that can show up on that report that have just not been paid yet and that the TPA is probably working through. So it's it's very important to kind of get that report and see what's going on. Yep. And then Rx on final? Yeah, the Rx report. I mean, so that's basically a detailed report kind of showing, you know, maybe important, you know, high-cost fills and, and drugs from the PBM and the cost and, and the member. Okay, so again, th- these are the different things that are needed to lock in that renewal. So after we get to this process... You know, there may be situations where we got to go back to the nurse, questions being asked on the conditions, so on and so forth. We'll get on to that when we get to a tougher renewal. We'll talk about that. But now the renewal is released 80, 90 days out. Hey, we said it was going to be five. We confirmed this is what it's going to be. The ag is staying the same, right? Now, what do we have to do? We've got to get this signed. We have a firm renewal that's released. We have to get this signed by the employer. Now, you don't have all day to do this, guys. You don't get 30 days. Because remember, when you're inside 90 days, at 60 days, more reports are available. So when they release that firm renewal, they want to see it back in 10 days to sign from you. Okay. So if you've had that preliminary discussion with your employer and they okayed you it, you know when they release that firm renewal, guess what? You can sign off on it and get it back before something else changes. If you wait, 
Well, what happens? The whole process starts over. I need all updated reports, which takes more time. If you wait to the 60-day mark, what's now available? Updated claims for the months is available. So they're going to want to see that. So the goal is, is how do we get through this period and lock it in? And again, at Virtue Health, one of the things that we do for you is we're handling this process step-by-step for you to take this off your plate and kind of spoon feed it to you and, and, and streamline it for you. So so we got the firm renewal. We're signing it. And now once it's signed, what happens there, Dave? Well, uh, basically, once it's signed, it'll go back to the carrier. And from there, the case is considered locked in. Um, and the carrier will go ahead and kind of basically start working through the policy paperwork. They'll start with the application. That will go out for the client to sign. They'll have all the contract terms, rates, everything that was uh, agreed upon. Once that's completed, that'll go back to the carrier, and then they'll just kind of basically wait for the final enrollment, make sure that no enrollment's changed from the initial quoting to the final enrollment. If everything's good and lines up, uh, we'll go ahead and get the policy issued. Okay, so that that makes it good and done. That's your roadmap and your process here for the renewal season. Now, let's talk about when it's not so sexy. I got a renewal I talked about today to somebody, and the reality is, is, we know we're going to have to shop the renewal and test the market. You know, we know we're going to get a not so favorable renewal. And that's what's just going to issue. So we're going to have to test the market to see where the market comes in. Okay. And we're going to have that conversation preliminary with the client. What I like to tell them is look, here's a situation we're in. We are going to market it. Let's see what the renewal comes out at. If it is favorable, we can look to lock it up, but we're going to start that marketing process as well with the renewal. So we have a good time frame there where we, we can make that change and not have to show a 60 day report, get quotes worked in. What do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, I agree with that. If the case is running well, we definitely need to get that locked in, um, especially during fourth quarter. I mean, it gets busy. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get the case, so, you know, get the case can get away from it if you're not paying attention and have to do all, do, all new reporting again. So yeah, it's definitely important to kind of get those good cases locked in early. Yeah, the rough cases, I mean, there's just has to be a lot of negotiation just working real hand in hand with the TPA and carrier to to kind of find a solution that is, you know, that everyone can agree upon and get the case locked in. Talk, talk to me about, you know, we got a tough renewal here and you're going back and forth tough through medical review. Talk to me about what you do for the advisors for virtue health, what you're able to do that, you know, maybe is going to be a challenge for them to understand or do or to sell to the underwriter, or to know which different markets will allow certain different things. Talk to me some situations you've been in on renewals, tough renewals, and what you've been able to kind of accomplish. You know, I think the big thing is, is when it comes to lasers, everyone kind of, you know, wants to shy away from lasers. I think the big thing is to understand the financial, really comes down to the financial impact of what that's going to entail. Um, you know, I had a new business case one time that had four renewals. We, we went out with a preliminary quote, case sold. We're starting implementation with the TPA. And yeah, four lasers came in. When we basically did a review, you know, a financial review of that, it really only came to about two to 300,000 on about a $7 million spend. So it was not a huge overall financial impact. So, you know, we were able to kind of explain that to the client and they, they were happy that, it re, you know, really understood what those lasers were all about. So it's definitely just making sure you know, the client's aware of, you know, kind of the financial impact of what all of that means. So, Yeah, guys, here's a roadmap here. And, and I think what David's saying is, is listen, there's a lot of work in negotiating. Negotiating isn't just 
hey, here's this quote, match this quote, here's a competitor quote. There's a lot more that goes into it. It's not fully insured, right? It's not something that we're used to doing. At Virtue Health, we're, we're sitting as your strategic partner, right? So we don't work for the insurance company. What we're going to do is we're going to work with you to tell you, is this renewal fair? David's done, you heard, thousands of renewals. He's underwritten thousands of cases. He's going to advise you on that preliminary call. You'll be doing calls with David is, this is fair. Let's lock this up because I would have came in heavier. I mean, he's. we've had that conversation multiple times already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or is this unfair and I'm going to go push back on them and try to get the 90 day after 90 day, get it to look better for us. So have a negotiated in them before you even go out to market. Those are the things that he's going to see because he's going to underwrite and look at the claims. He's going to do a preliminary underwriting for you that again, unless you have these resources in house, I'm not sure how you're going to do it. I like to think I, I know everything, but I really don't understand it to the extent that these guys do. So Call me stupid, but I think we should be focused on sales and marketing if you want to be a successful producer. But we'll talk more about that on the webinar. But yeah, I mean, what what are some of the other things that you may have to push back on with, like I said, the laser position conditions or what have you? What are some of the tricks of the trade that you may have to do with a reinsurer that you're you're working with or an underwriter that you're working with? You know, I you know the big one I think is possibly looking at other solutions like ag spec. So if you're looking at having two or three lasers, uh, maybe you put an ag spec in place. And sometimes, you know, I've seen, I've seen some carriers where they'll actually bring the ag spec down just a little bit overall compared to what the total liability of the lasers will be. So it's just kind of finding different solutions like that, that I think can work out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it's very important to have the knowledge and experience of doing this. And quite frankly, I don't really want to do it. So having the partner to do it is what makes it makes it great. David does even all my retail renewals, which is nice. So guys, we're here to, to create that resource for you. And that's what we wanted to come through and educate you on this more so for the timeline period, right? We do our job. You do yours. Thanks to yours. They've been working with us and we've got a shit ton of renewals to do. And we've already started a process, preliminary renewals, having starting those calls, but you guys got to understand at least the process and the time frame and be able to have that preliminary discussion 120 days out, 110 days out, 100 days out with your client, whether it be a quick phone call, especially now with Zoom, just have a quick call, give them an update, what to expect, even 150 days out. Hey, this is what I see the claims looking at. And then the later time, it's sometimes it's just a phone call. They already know. They're not looking to go back fully insured. They're happy. You're not changing TPAs. You're not changing plan designs. It could be as simple as a phone call. And that's really what's happened with us. What else did we cover, Dave, that that you think these guys need to know about? Do uh, do underwriters like working with brokers? Yeah, actually, I think sometimes it can work pretty well that way. Yeah. Some of them, I can't seem to get them on the phones. Do they like to talk to other underwriters better, I assume? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we we see things one way. They see things another way. They speak a different language. It's good to even I'm teaching David how us how his advisors think. Absolutely. Because uh, yeah. we think very differently than the underwriter, right? You understand it from a different position. We understand things from a different position and exactly. the client facing position. So coming to a happy medium is what's important. Mark Fox says, do you find stop loss companies going away from individual health questionnaires and using risk report companies like Verikai? What do you say? Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see we're starting to see more companies do that. I know some companies like Cigna really got into that maybe three or four years ago. We're starting to see a lot of MGUs starting to use that program as well. Yep. 
I would say the answer is yes, but certain sizes, they may want IMQs. I think it's good for a preliminary, but if you, you know, if, if the scoring doesn't come back well, you kind of shit out of luck. So maybe exactly. it is, it is IMQs. I saw in the notes here, you, t- you said probably the biggest, biggest takeaway is, is what, I guess the, um, the timelines. Yeah, it's the, it's the timelines. It's being aware of, you know, the carrier due dates. Um, you know, so when they issue that firm quote, sometimes you may only have seven to 10 business days before they're going to require updated reporting. So when you're, you know, getting employer meetings set up, make sure you're very aware of when that quote needs to get signed and back, just so you're not, you know, surprised by any changes that can happen in the future. And we're putting that in the email. So we're letting them know, Hey, this is the date. This is when it's due. This was subject to make sure you read those emails, guys. We're going to update you and let you know when it is. And we're going to stay on top of you to try to get that report back. But if it's not back in a certain amount of time, and you, again, you can sign it. Client doesn't have to sign it. They sign the policy. Yep. So some of you guys, we have a situation where we act as the agent, your sub agent, we sign it for you, but you got to be aware of them because you can get yourself in the trouble and things can change. So lock in early. And I tell them, listen, if it's not looking good, I let my client know this one's going down to the wire. Okay. Cause claims history is so bad that I need some more clean claims months. So I'm going to hope in the next 30 days, we're going to get to 60 days that the claims are going to look better. Okay. I'm hoping that the claims will get better. Maybe they still look like crap, but the reality is we got to try to get there. Let's see what Craig says. Renew wallets, firm offer, eliminate uncertainty. Yeah. I don't know why you would play it out guys. That's it. I, yeah. I, I know the thought is, and I had that thought originally was shop everything and every year and pedal a quote. That's not really the proper way to do it. If you can build a history with a carrier, especially in these smaller size groups. If you're going for one year and you're flipping every year, they want carrier history. They see that. They don't like that as much. If you're with a carrier for two years, three years, what happens is they underwrite your renewal that year as well as what, Dave, the past history? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and just like you mentioned with the you know switching carriers, you don't want to do that too much. I mean, I've had to decline cases because they had a different carrier four years in a row. So you definitely don't just want to switch carriers all the time. No. Guys, we're not tricking the underwriters. So, <laughs> you know, be aware of that. But as Craig said, not nothing worse than last minute surprise claims. Yeah, I've I've had them. I've seen them. They're tough to deal with. They cause problems. So educate your clients, advise your clients. I think we'll end it there. Any last words, Dave? No, I think, I think that's it. I think we went over that pretty well. Yep. Yeah, guys, if you have questions, concerns, reach out to David. I would strongly advise David at virtualliance.com. Reach out to Dave. Have a conversation with him. He's a resource to you. He will help you understand and answer questions you have so you can get a better understanding of how things underwritten and stuff on your cases. I mean, even on fully insured cases, he can take a look and and tell you what's what because we don't understand it and they're going to play tricks and games for you. Kimberly says, what about the prospect that won't share renewal info? I say walk away because they're not bought in anyone. They're not bought in anyone. What about the prospect won't share renewal info? Yeah, you you got a suspect. You don't have a prospect. So, you know, if they're not willing to share information, it's not a real prospect, in my opinion. I probably walk, get more, get another prospect. Nick Simon says, great insight. Thanks. Make sure the renewal contracts issue matches the signed offer. Yeah. Talk to me about that. I had a situation as of recent, an old 
partner that I worked with, and they actually, we signed a renewal very early, and they didn't issue a policy or come back with, with a final or issued like four months later into the policy year. Changed the ag. They breached the ag last year because we signed it four months later. They didn't even know. Breached the ag, and now they came collecting money, and I had to write a check for my client because I had to take responsibility for it. But what can happen in that period? Do you ever see them change something last minute if a claim comes in? Or, you know, what have you seen? Anything crazy with reinsurers? I really haven't seen too much of that. I mean, I might see, you know, maybe some data entry stuff where the rates were input incorrectly and got signed. We have to go back and change some of those or maybe a couple contract terms or something. But nothing nothing sticking sticking out there. That's too outrageous. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not going to name any names. It's already known as a black pair in the market, but it is what it is. So be careful who you work with. Make sure you got some leverage in cases. But we're happy to help. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, good time. First time on the show. Yep. All right. We're going to we're going to have you on many more. But thank you for joining us. All right, guys, listen, appreciate you joining. Hope this was helpful. We'll get you out the roadmap. Send us an email. We're happy to send your roadmap. Send a uh, request to David at virtualliance.com. And if you're listening on a podcast, check us out every Thursday on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Heads Up Advisor, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Guys, we will see you on the next one. Thanks for joining us. Peace. Peace.